Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. What I'm going to preach tonight sort of deals with what should be, I think, the the temper and mood of Americans as we move forward from what just took place. And if you don't understand the severity of it, then then you haven't looked into human nature very much and, and... you don't have much understanding of, yeah. of man. And um, when it comes to the fallen nature of man, things like communism, socialism, and hedonism, and postmodernism, and humanism yeah. all appeal <laughs> to, yeah. to man because there's no righteous God to stand up to. And, of course, your country just, just apparently, if it was a fair election, just selected that. They're asking for it. Right. And we get to go along with it. Now, what does that mean for us? I mean, what if Donald Trump would have won? Is that going to usher in the kingdom and Jesus is going to come back? <laughs> no, we had quite a few problems when he was president. And um, so he, he, he wasn't the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. But um, we're going to read this chapter together. And, and then I'm, I'm gonna, I want to go through it. I want to show you what I think are some interesting ideas from the chapter. And I hope it will be a help to us. I, I hope, you know, uh, I hope you're not so cast down that you... That, that it's made you sick, but I, I hope you do understand the gravity of what's happened. And instead of causing it, instead of it causing you to want to quit or, or give up, or, or hopefully it has caused you to lose your hope in, in government, <laughs> if that's where your hope was, imagine that the government was your hope and they can't even count ballots, <laughs> but that was your hope. <laughs> I mean, with the Lord... The Lord Jesus Christ, or God himself, when he brought the Jews back from Babylon, he counted every single piece of silverware they took with them into Babylon <laughs> when they brought them back. So you know, I, w- I, would, um, I-, I wouldn't hope so much in government. I would just right. um, participate as best you can and trust the Lord. Amen. So John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So the question, do you want to go to heaven when you die, is not technically correct. 
Jesus said, when I come back, I will take you unto myself. So where I am, finish the verse. So I will I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. So wherever he goes, we get to go with him. If you if you go to heaven and there's no Jesus, it's just going to turn into earth all over again. So (laughs) it wouldn't wouldn't do you any good. So uh, the idea is your sins are forgiven. Your soul is saved. Now you get to go be with the Lord wherever he is. And, and that's the aim. Verse four. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know, which is a strong statement. But of course, apparently I was there and didn't believe him. Verse five. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? Now, this is very interesting. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. Now, there's a lot more to that. We often quote that verse, but when you put those two together, there's a lot being said there. We don't know the way. You do know the way. I'm standing right in front of you. It's Jesus. Well, what do you mean? What do I do? You trust Jesus. That's the way. And he said, I don't know where you're going. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm going to the Father. (laughs) And if I'm going to come and take you where I am, I'm going to be with the Father. And if you're going to be with me, we are going to be with the Father. Wherever that is, wherever he decides to go, whatever he decides to do, that's where we're going to be. And if you want to get there, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. <clears throat> so verse uh, 7, if you <clears throat> if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father and it sufficeth us. Sometimes it's best to just be quiet. <laughs> And and, you know, the great thing, the great thing about questions is they they're always based on an assumption. And the question reveals that assumption. And oftentimes as Christians, we don't deal we don't deal with the assumption being made. We try to answer the question, no matter how irrelevant the question is. (laughs) And what's what's a, a better approach is to carefully listen to the question and then try and discern the assumption being made. And and here Philip stepped all into it. Usually it's Peter. Peter took a break, I guess, this time. Verse nine, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the father. And how sayest thou then show us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the father and the father in me and the words that I speak unto you, I speak of my, my I speak not of myself, but the father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father in me or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That verse has gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That verse should get people out of a lot of trouble. But um, verse 16. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter and he that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. And this is very interesting. 
and shall be in you. That's not, I mean, these guys are, they get to learn directly from the Lord, but at some point, God himself is going to move inside you. And they just had that revealed to them. That would have been the subject of my questions, not, you know, when you're leaving or can I be the right hand at the right hand of the father? What does that mean? <laughs> he shall be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and and ye in me, and I in you. And everybody understands that verse, so we'll go into 21. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, this is a this passage is a is a is a passage that Muslims love. They'll tell you that Muhammad is this person that's coming. And so I always like to ask them, so Muhammad's a ghost? And they just look at you like, no. <laughs> well, it says that the Holy Ghost is coming. You just said Muhammad is a ghost. And, and of course, you know, Muslims believe heavily in ghosts and they are terrified of ghosts. So when you tell them that they just called Muhammad a ghost, they don't really know what to do with that. So verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. This is a key aspect to this verse. This will also keep you out of trouble whatsoever I have said unto you. So don't don't assume that God's going to pop things into your head. That's not what he's saying. Have you read what Jesus said? Have you spent time nulling over it? Has, have you put it into your heart and mind? Then when those situations arise, the Holy Spirit will bring those things to remembrance. He said, what I have told you, he will bring to remembrance. Not some mystical, magical ideas are going to pop into your head and, and you know, just magically be there. That's, that's not how it works. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Verse 28, ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29, and now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. Let's pray. Father, we sure thank you again for this opportunity to be here. We sure love you. We sure love your son and all he's done for us. Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that would honor him, that would glorify him, And once again, Lord, we pray that you be well pleased with all that takes place here tonight. May this be a place where where you can look down and see people doing their best to live for you and to honor you and to glorify you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
So our, our, our topic, the idea, so you just read all that just to go back to verse one. Yeah. Just thought you'd enjoy to read it with me and, and, uh, kind of set the tone. And, um, the idea is in verse one, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And we're in a situation in life, you know, what, what I want you to see right now. And, and again, I hope, I hope, this election garbage, I can't even turn a television on. And I don't have a television. Just every time we go to a hotel room, it's sitting there looking at you in the face. And so you're tempted to turn it on and see what they're saying. And they're not saying anything. So you just turn it back off and go about your business. But um, there is a significant connection between a troubled heart in need of comfort and reliance upon the word of God. And the reason the reason Christianity is just about to disappear in the United States of America and the reason BIMI, the mission board with, says that 85 percent of of independent Baptist churches are in a steady state of decline. Now, the reason that is, is because people are focused that instead of reading their Bible, witnessing, praying, spending time doing the fundamental aspects of what the word of God teaches they're watching Dancing with the Stars and they're watching Fox News and they're listening to Sean Hannity and they're they're focused on everything else in the world but Jesus Christ. And the reason people are so cast down tonight and need to to, to not let their hearts be troubled is because they haven't been focused on this book. How, how could it be? How is it possible you didn't know that this election was going to go with the course of this world? It's, it's a worldly thing. Now, you get your part in it, and you get to play a role in it, and you should vote and do all those things, and that's wonderful. But when it doesn't work out in terms of righteousness, <laughs> why would you be surprised? The Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. This is not going to get better. But there's still a job to do. There's still a role for us to play. There are things that we should have been doing a long time ago that Christians have not been doing and participating in and living. And so here we are. We're reaping the results of what we have not done. And so Jesus comes along, and this is probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible in terms of uh, comfort and, and not allowing your heart to be troubled. But here's the problem with the verse in terms of American Christianity. Who's doing the letting? You are. According to this chapter and this passage, now this is before the Lord goes to the cross, and we read there in um, in, in verse 17 how that the Holy Spirit is is around, but soon He's going to be in you. Well, that's us. He's now in us. They didn't have that benefit at this point in time. So when He tells them, "Let not your heart be troubled," there is apparently even at that moment in time the ability or the possibility that these men had enough personal agency and enabling from the Lord to be able to not allow their hearts to be troubled. So how much more so now that you have the Holy Spirit and that the church is established and you can come worship amongst the brethren and you can read your Bible. You have the complete word of God. You have everything you need. You have a hymn book full of hymns of people who, who have had their hearts ripped out over time, but left you meaningful, worshipful yeah. songs that you can sit and sing and cry and pray to the Lord. Amen. But that's not where people go. They're hoping this election gets overturned. They're hoping things turn their way, their way politically, not spiritually. 
They have, they could care less spiritually. As a matter of fact, if Donald Trump would have won the election, they would have seen that as a spiritual victory. And it's not. It has nothing to do with the word of God. It has nothing to do with your role and what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian in this country. So if you want to change the direction of America, it's from this book. It's your participation in what's written here. It is not putting a Trump sign in your yard and waving a Trump flag. Why don't you have a scripture sign in your yard? Why don't you go stand on a street corner and hold up a sign for the Lord Jesus Christ? That's where people's lives will be changed. Now, Donald Trump would have been a nice tool to have in the bag. But it's gone now. It's over. If this gets overturned, well, praise the Lord. It's still not a spiritual victory. You still have work to do. You still have to trust in the Lord and hope that and, and do what he asked you to do. And so here we are. The disciples are the disciples are in a bad spot. The man they have been following for the past three and a half years, the man they have they have dedicated themselves to and left everything for is, is now telling them in chapter 13. You know, we, we just read today from chapter 12. Chapter 13 is the Lord's Supper, where at the Lord's Supper, he tells them, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is a devil, and you're going to betray me. And not only so, but I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you can't come. And so you talk about confusion. I mean, I thought we were going to establish the kingdom. I thought he was going to be the king, and he could, you know, turn a you know a bucket of fish into thousands of buckets of fish, and he could do all these things, and... And I thought he was going to be our king, and he's going to get rid of Rome, and he's going to do all these incredible things for us on our behalf, for our kingdom, politically. And now he's he's leaving. He's talking about being, he's talking about dying, he's talking about being betrayed. I mean, what what in the world is going on? We had we had a really good thing going here. <laughs> you were going to be the king, I was going to be your right hand man, and and we were going to rule, we were going to rule the world. And now you're leaving. And not only did they not only are they distraught because of their political ambitions, but they love the Lord. They, they gave their lives over to this man, and, and he's just, I'm leaving, and you can't come. I mean, we read it, we read it, and, and we'll look at it again in a second. If, 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 I don't want to take too long tonight, but he, he said, I told the Jews that I'm leaving, and they can't come with me. Now I'm telling you. Right. And they, they were like, well, that was okay when you told them that, but why us? <laughs> We're, we're with you. I mean, we our, our entire identity is wrapped up in you, and now you're, you're leaving, and we can't go with you. And not only so, and, and I'm getting way ahead of myself because I won't have time to cover all this in, in the time that we have tonight and, and, and not keep you till 10 o'clock. So um, if you consider where we started this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 12 said, Now is my soul troubled. Now. My heart is broken. My soul is troubled. I'm, I'm disturbed now. By the time we get to John chapter 13, <laughs> he's, turning, he, he, he's, he's told them that he's going he's, he's to be betrayed. He's told them that he's going uh, 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 to die on the cross and that he's leaving them. Then you get to John chapter 14, and though he's troubled, and he's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and be so sorrowful nigh unto death that he, say, he turns to his disciples and says, well, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I don't want you to have problems. I don't want you to be cast down. So I'm, I'm going to spend the entire chapter telling you how to not, not let your hearts be troubled. 
in the midst of my own trouble, my own heartache, my own sorrow, I'm going to put all that aside, knowing what I'm about to do and where I'm about to go, and I'm going to try and help you not be troubled. So chapter 14, verse 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he goes through this entire discourse, uh, explaining to them in various ways how he doesn't want them to be troubled. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I'm leaving, and you can't come with me. But I'm going to pray the Father that he'll send you a comforter. I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. And he's going to be with you forever. And, and so in studying this passage, the reality becomes clear through the chapter of the work of the Trinity and something as small as your comfort <laughs> and something as minimal as your comfort, your personal comfort. The Lord wants you to, you to, to keep your heart under control and you have access to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to get that done. Amen. And we're going to see in a moment the Word of God as well. And so look at John 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Look at verse 33. Verse 33, little children... Yet a little while I am with you, ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, you're not coming with me. It's done. I'm leaving. So disciples are, are, are definitely distraught over this. The Messiah, the Christ, is leaving them. They're going to remain under Roman tyranny. It's not going to go the way that they thought. The Lord's telling them I'm leaving, and but then he tells them as I'm leaving, <laughs> I'm going to send you a comfort. I'm going to make sure you have a comforter. I'm going to make sure you have what, what you need in order to, to be able to get your heart under control. Now, if one of you would, that's my wife's alarm on that phone. If one of you would reach back there, it's in that diaper bag on one of the sides and silence that. I know that's probably driving people up the wall. Um, look at John 14, verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, that's one of those passages I think a lot of people wish were not in the Bible. You would think when someone is, is distraught and someone is heartbroken and someone is, is, uh, has reached a place of depression and heartache and sorrow, that they would want to come out of that. But a lot of people like to just hang out right there. Yep. And they like to stay right there. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times their identity becomes wrapped up in being depressed. And they want you to know how depressed they are and how upset they are and what's going on in their life and how terrible it is and all these all these terrible things. And you try and cheer them up. And they're like, yeah, but you don't understand. <laughs> and you try and give them a way out. And they're like, well, I don't know if that'll work for me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I'll just stay right here where I am, depressed and upset and sorrowful. And and, and I'll just come and complain to you about it every now and then so that you it reminds you of <laughs> of how depressed I am. The Lord said, the Lord said, and, it, and it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost damning. My pastor, brother James, somebody asked him one time, somebody asked him one time, have you ever been depressed? And he said, yeah, it's, it's happened multiple times throughout, throughout my ministry. You're dealing with a, I mean, he, 
Right now, we probably have about 300 people in our church. That's a lot of people to care for. That's a lot of heartache. That's a lot of praying. praying. That's a lot of trouble to deal with. And, and it weighs heavy on a pastor. And they, and they asked him, they said, so, so what did you do? How, how did you handle it? <laughs> he said, I repented. Amen. Because as a Christian that has access to Jesus Christ and the word of God and the Holy Spirit, depression is not a place that you get to hang out in. It's not a state of mind that you get to stay in. Now, if, if these people that took control of our government have their way, we're headed for dark days. Yep. Morally, it's, it's, these are some horrendous people. They believe in abortion on demand. They believe in the, yep. the, the most perverse forms yep. of homosexuality. They believe, yep. it, I mean, it, it's dark days are coming. Yep. Yep. But you don't get to be depressed. You should have some righteous anger about it and get out and do something about it. But you don't get to just sit down in the dark and hide and, and allow your heart to be depressed. The Lord said, the Lord said, look, look back at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So if you remain in a state of depression or if you remain in a place of sorrow, it's because you you either don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's not coming to you or you do and you don't want him to. The, the Lord has enabled you with enough personal agency in this matter to be able to take full control over what's going on in your heart and your mind. Right. Paul said, I bring my body under. He said, I bring every thought in subjection to Jesus Christ. And, you know. Sometimes I, it, it, this, this is a hard statement to try and come to terms with. And I'm just, you know, telling you as things have come up in our lives, it's not it's not easy to to immediately grasp control of your heart and what's happening, what's going on. Sometimes you get spun out of control with these things and it, and it can become overwhelming. But he promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. I will come to you. I will not leave. Those are some strong statements. I will not leave you comfortless. Amen. So that means that at any point in your Christian life, if you have been in a place where you cannot find comfort, you've either rejected the word of the Lord or you don't belong to the Lord. One of the two. And so look at verse. Let's continue quickly. Look at verse 26. Makes another one of those type statements. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Lord has promised you the Holy Spirit. And, and that should be joyful news to you. God himself lives inside of you. The, 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 the member of the Trinity that is, that is said to be responsible for the words of this book wants to use them to work right. in your heart and mind yeah. and soul so that you're not cast down. So that you know what to do. You know where to go. You stand on a, on a firm rock. This, this entire episode that is 2020 should have been an opportunity for Christians to shine. And instead, they were at Walmart buying up all the toilet paper in a frantic with everybody else. And that should not have been the case. This was an opportunity for people to look at you and say, why are you so calm? Why are you so under control? You, what drugs are you taking? <laughs> I mean, what they prescribe you? I need some of that. It's the word of God. 
It's the Bible. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what I have. I don't need your drugs. I don't need your psychiatry. I don't I don't need some some evolutionary figure telling me <laughs> what what about the chemical imbalance in my brain that he can't test. Oh, you have a chemical imbalance. This drug will take good care of that. What chemical? And how 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 unbalanced is it? Well, unless they're going to open your brain and test for that, it's 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 not possible to find out. So I would just trust God. And and trust that he's, he promised he's, he's not going to leave you comfortless. Look at verse 27. It gets even worse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And, and, and he says it again. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Brothers and sisters, You've got some work to do in this town and in this community and in your family. And if all your conversations are dominated by Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you're not doing your job. And if all your conversations are dominated by, you know, if, if your response to what somebody says is, is a news ticker from Fox, you're, you're off track. Why do you not have why do you not have some truth to interject into the conversation? Why do you not? Why can't you? Why can't the response say be be? Well, you know what the word of God says about that. Why is it? Well, you know, Joe, you know, Donald Trump said and Sean Hannity said and Mark Levin said and whoever else you're hooked up on said. It, it, it's that's one man's opinion fighting another man's opinion when you could be saying Jesus said. Amen. And that Amen. that shuts down the entire argument. I guarantee you they don't want to talk about it anymore after you say that. <laughs> and, it, and it's all over with. You're not going to convince them. The Holy Spirit might convince them, might help them. But as long as I'm arguing with Fox News and they're arguing with CNN, then it's, 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 it's the course of this world arguing with, the, with a different course for the world. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a conservative course or a liberal course. It's the course of this world. Yep. That's not us. This world is enmity with God. You're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be following the course of this world. You're supposed to be following the truth of the word of God. Amen. And the more you get caught up in that stuff, the 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 more cast down you're going to be, the more your heart is going to be troubled. Now, what would be the basis upon which you would build such a philosophical framework to life? How is it possible that somebody could show up in your life and say, "Let not your heart be troubled." And and then expect you to do it? <laughs> It'd be the word of God. There'd be no one. No one else will teach you that. If you go to a if you go, you know, Philippians two says that you are to esteem others better than yourself. You know, it says that. And if you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or or anybody that's going to counsel you in any way, shape, form or form anywhere in this world today and you tell them you have a, a an emotional problem. Or, or, you know, you have a problem with depression or, or whatever, whatever the case, whatever the long list of, of emotional and mental problems that are out there today, you tell them you have one of them. You know what they're going to tell you? You just have low self-esteem. You should esteem yourself higher, which is exactly the opposite of what the word of God said you're supposed right. to do. Amen. God said you were supposed to esteem others better than yourself. The world is telling you you need to esteem yourself higher. Then you'll be OK. Have you seen Facebook? People esteem themselves very highly. That is not a problem they're suffering with. 
The problem they're suffering with is they can't understand why you don't esteem them as highly as they esteem themselves. And if you're going to go and use the, 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 uh, the, the, the advice of this world to try and help with these problems that you're having, that's where you're going to end up. Yep. You're, going to, you're going to get caught up in a state of confusion, and you're going to be wondering why God's not fixing it. You never, retur- you never referred to God. Right. You went everywhere else in the world <laughs> but God. And now you want to know why God didn't fix it. He told you, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. You, you let not your heart be troubled. I have, I have enabled you to do it. I've given you what you needed. I want to show you quickly. We'll run through these fast. How that the word of God is what you need to depend upon in order to make this happen. If you go somewhere else, it's, it's, you're, you're going to get swept away. If you go to the word of God, then you have hope. You have access to hope and to help and to what you need to be able to get over, whether it's an election. If you're and if you're that distraught over the election, that's a very good sign that you were you are way down the road and you need to come back. But this 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 has a much broader application. Marriages are in trouble. People's lives are falling apart. People have lost their jobs. People have been sick. People, people have had other people die from a from a magical flu that traveled from China. There's a lot of odd things going on. People's lives are a mess. But Christians are not supposed to be cast down. Right. You're not supposed to let your heart be troubled. Amen. Now, now, this this is how we build this approach to life. Look at John 14:2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. I mean, think think about that now. Jesus is saying, what I'm expecting of you is just listen to what I told you. Yep. And if I didn't tell it to you, then, then don't worry about it. That, I just find that incredible. Verse 17, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now, let that null around in your mind for a moment. The world cannot receive him. The spirit of truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. So you can get caught up in this world and the direction they're going and know that it has no attachment to truth whatsoever. You're the only people that have any attachment to knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and truth. It, with this book in your hand. Outside of that, the world around us has no attachment to truth whatsoever. You ask them, yeah, well, I think it's wrong for you to do that. On what basis do you think it's wrong that I do anything when you come from an evolutionary, atheistic worldview? It's not possible for you to say that. You have no source of truth. Where would you get that idea from? What if I think it is good? I think it's a good thing. You know, I think it's a good thing to kill six million Jews. You can't tell me that I'm wrong. Not from your worldview. But I could take you in the Bible and show you where you better leave those Jews alone. Not only that, you better not be killing anybody. And, and so, anyways, the spirit of truth. The Lord gave you the spirit of truth. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Are you seeing a trend here? What I told you, truth, commandments. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. That's, that's very important, Right? If I say, man, I've got a Bible at home. I love my Bible. Do you read it? Yeah. I mean, you have the commandments. Do you spend Amen. time in it? Do you? Okay, now that you've read it, do you do it? 
I mean, what good does it do to have it and to read it and not do it? Right. It, it takes all of them combined together for this to for this to to the, the Holy Spirit is not cast for the ghost floating around look for, looking for ways to make you happy. That's not what's happening here. You're supposed to do that. Well, on what basis? The word of God. Do you have it? I do have it. Okay. Do you keep it? Do you read it? And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I, I just, if we don't get back to the most basic aspects of yep. the fundamental Amen. foundational principles of the Christian life, you're done. My wife and I, I'm taking my, my wife and my newborn baby to Africa <laughs> on the promise that churches in America are going to support us financially. But if those churches in America don't get it together, we're coming home from Africa and the only use left for America, which is world missions, and we'll see how this whole protecting Israel thing goes, is done. Right. It's done. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. He will keep my words. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Would that be seen in the way that you live your life? I mean, would the Lord be able to look down? Because this is an objective measure of, how, of whether you love the Lord or not. Here's a very clear, objective way to, to look at your life and examine and say, do I do what the Lord wants me to do? If I do, according to him, it is evidence that I love him and appreciate what he's done for me. If I don't, it's evident I could care less about him. Look at verse 24. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. These things have I spoken. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. You see the trend. On what should be your reliance? The word of God. Okay. Hannity said this. Yeah, but what did Jesus say? Fox News said this, but what did God say? I don't care what any of those people say. Oh, I think they cheated in the election. Duh. <laughs> there are a bunch of devils that are following the course of this world. Right. What else do you expect of them? Yeah. Donald Trump was the best hope we had in a president. That's not a good thing. Look at verse 26. Uh, look at verse 28. Let's look at verse 28. Verse 28, ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father. Everything. He is expecting every bit of this to be based on you trusting what he said. You trusting his word. Look at verse 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass. That is that is. One of the most key aspects to biblical Christianity. God says, I'm telling you this now, so when it happens, you can just sit back and smile. Yep. <laughs> I knew that was coming. 
Yeah, but science said, well, science will catch up. But historians say, well, they'll figure it out later. I've, God came and told me ahead of time what's going to happen. He, he, he left numerous examples of that in, in, in his word. So I'm just going to stick with what God said. When you guys figure it out, you can come over and come back and apologize later. I'll be here. But I'm not moving from this book. Not to your political party, not to your philosophical approach to life, not to your not to your 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 psychological analysis. I don't care about any of you know, I, I, I'm in the process of writing this book and I write an entire, entire chapter on Karl Marx. You know, one of the most popular things Karl Marx said was follow the science. Said that repeatedly. Heard that a few times, have you? Every bit of this is an attempt to force you in, not not into a political party, into a worldview and to move you from what this book says into their philosophical approach to life. And if you don't get grounded and rooted in this book and do what it says, there's no hope for this country. It goes nowhere. The, the only relevance a country has is its attachment to Jesus Christ. Amen. Once it loses that relevance, once it loses that attachment, then it loses its relevance. It's done. It's over. And so in a country where there have been 60 plus million abortions since Roe versus Wade, homosexuals can get married. Transgender people can sit half nude and read books to your children. What do you think is going to happen? Confusion abounds. And it it abounds because we don't interject truth into the public conversation because we're terrified. Right. And that should not be the case. Now, the Lord left us a great example. Look at verse 31. We'll finish with this. But that the world may know that I love the Father. Now, Jesus said, real quick, before we finish reading the verse, Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. He left an example of that, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So, I, I, I would like to say that all this is, I mean, it's just that simple. I made it pretty black and white tonight. And if you would just do that, everything would be okay. And and, and one, on one hand, that's absolutely true. That's, that's how it would be if we would obey God's word. On the other hand, that doesn't mean there won't be some, some trouble along the way. Right. Amen. I don't, that doesn't mean that God's going to make it. You know, the Lord told the disciples at one point, get in this boat with me. We're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. He failed to mention that there would be a storm so massive it had its own name. <laughs> Disciples lose their mind and wake them up and say, carest not thou that we perish? And he rebuked them and said, you have no faith. Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, Jesus Christ, told those men, we're crossing the Sea of Galilee. He expected expected them to trust that. He didn't tell them there was going to be a massive storm on the way. So you can either travel through all these storms and and this, this entire barrage of trouble without the Lord you can do it with him. Amen. The choice is absolutely yours. I hope you'll make the right one. Let not your heart be troubled. 
we got a lot of work to do. I hope you'll get busy, brother. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.